The reason that people don't do shit is they think it's fear of failure. Here's the thing, you will fail. That's the whole fucking point. motivated you don't motivation is a feeling how do you build discipline very simple there is no right time to do anything the time is now most people's instagram is the perception that they want people to think they are yeah not who they actually are if you're trying to be somebody that you're not you're going to build an audience of people who think you're something you're not so you basically built a life no one cares so do what the fuck you like one of the biggest problems that you have is you think everyone's looking at you. You really think you're that important that someone's got any time whatsoever in their busy life to give a fuck what you're doing. They don't. A lot of people have this concept with relationships as if, you know, if we're married all together, you look after me, I look after you. And it's like, it's bollocks. If your happiness is reliant on, an, on another person and they're not there, you're not happy. I remember sitting there by myself going, this isn't it. The thing that you fucked up, Jay, is that this year, You've been there for everybody else, apart from yourself and your family. And the whole point of this success, and the whole point of doing all of this shit that you're doing is for them. And this is the reason why you're so fucked up now. It's because you realize deep down that you were doing it all for you. Jay, welcome. Thank you for having I've me. I've gone into my podcast voice now. <laughs> <laughs> calm it all down, calm it all down. Mate, I noticed this morning you were talking about you have a, a jujitsu competition. I do. Um, nine days' time. No gi? No gi and gi. No gi and gi. Yeah. And uh, how are you feeling about it? Good. Uh, it's, it's weird because it's, it's been a, quite a journey this last nine months because the last time I've competed was 2015, and that was in physique mm-hmm. you know, competitions. But at the same time, I get the same same kind of build up for my charity events where I just get this kind of feeling where I'm ready and I haven't had that feeling until this morning. Wow. And it's always around the same time. It's that last 10 days where I just get into this frame of mind and thinking and movement and visualization that I'm like, yep, yeah, I'm, Did- I'm good. Do you have to cut weight for this fight? Yes. So I started at 93 kilos and I'm down yeah, down to 85 kilos. So okay. the lightest I've been since actually when I last jumped on stage in 2015. You still look quite, quite tank though. Yeah, you? well. You haven't lost you know, like, you've lost it in a good way is what I yeah. mean. Not gone like. Weirdly, I haven't, I, I stopped going to the gym for like four months. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that was firstly, I've got kids, I've got a business, I haven't got enough fucking time for all that. Um, but secondly, I just wanted, you know, if I had the option of going to the gym or going to jujitsu, I'll go to jujitsu. And it started off firstly in January going, okay, I'll just go on a Wednesday and then do my you know, four or five gym sessions. And it got to a stage where I was kind of going three or four times and then I put in for a competition then it ended up like seven eight times so it's been between five five and seven times a week for the last mm. six months what made you start um really it came down to my son archer was four this year and i've always wanted back when i was eight my parents well my dad took me to traditional jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. so not brazilian jiu-jitsu and i kind of remember turning around and said i don't want to go anymore and he just said oh okay and i, I kind of wished that it just made me go kind of thing because, you know, at eight, who knows? You'd have been the next Roger Gracie. <laughs> <laughs> and um, 
you know, he's just started now. And for me, I was just like, I really want something with my son that we can both share a passion for as he gets older and do together. And Love I know that, that that's not 100% possibility because he might not enjoy it, he might not like it. But it tends to be if he sees how much I enjoy it and like it, that you naturally kind of want to do the same. And it's, it's weird just thinking about that is kind of the way that when I was, I think it was like, fucking hell, like seven, eight, my dad had a gym in his house. Um, okay. Just a little kind of gym that they converted an old room. And I remember once he let us stay up till like 11 o'clock at night, which was like, oh, because uh, he wanted to, because um, my mum was at work because she was a nurse and uh, he wanted to, to lift weights. And he doesn't lift weights at all. But I just, you see, it's weird that you remember that thing. Mm -hmm. And I, I must have been six or seven. And that made me kind of at 13 want to go to the gym. So you don't know where these things come from. Mm -hmm. But something I say all the time is children don't learn, they absorb. And it's amazing how much they absorb. And that's why I'm always mindful of what I'm doing as an individual around my son as he grows. And being an example of that, you know, one of the things is, is when I started jujitsu, I was like, why the fuck have I not started this before? I felt like that. It's pretty much ticked every single box of my entire life of what I'm about mm -hmm. with doing hard things, with discipline, with learning new skills, with getting over your ego, with, you know, putting yourself in difficult situations and learning to be comfortable. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Huh? How have I, how has this been in front of me? So what's beautiful as well is that it's opened up a new journey for me because I was, was get, I've been lifting weights for 25 years now. And You're older than you look. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you get to a stage where I've competed at, you know, I've competed at a very high level and I don't want to do powerlifting. So it's like, I'm just doing it to stay on the planet as long as possible. Mm -hmm. That's all well and good, but I've been a competitor, you know, pretty much my entire adult life. I've always tested myself. So I always want to test myself. And all of a sudden in comes jujitsu. And actually, I remember like my second session turned around to press and said, do you know what's great about this is that I don't believe I could be world-class at this. As in like, I could pretty much do this the rest of my life and, and I don't think I'd be the best at it. And that's exciting for me. Mm -hmm. Because Some everything, yeah, everything else I've done, I've done it when I was younger and I've like gone, I could be the best in the world at this and focus on it. And, you know, with physique, um, competitions you know, I competed at a European and world level with that and who's who knows I possibly could do that later on but in my head it's like right it's going to take me 10 years to get to black belt I'm 38 now you know it's going to take me till 50 years of age and it's like well you're going to be 50 anyway so you might as well have a fucking black belt mm. so it's the, now it's just this mentality of being on a new path for another decade on something New, which yeah. is, to me is incredibly exciting because I'm just absorbing and learning so much. And I'm so glad I got it later on in life because just the ego has been taken out. It's very humbling getting very humbling. battered by a 22-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> and a 22-year-old eight-stone person as well. Yeah, exactly. Not yeah. even like for like, is it? Yeah. It's the only sport I've noticed. I did a lot of boxing growing up. I did um, karate as well when I was really young. So my dad took me to karate like your dad took you to jiu-jitsu. And obviously, I've only really discovered jiu-jitsu probably in the last five years, as in known of it, and only started it a year ago myself. 
But I always thought like, why didn't I start as a kid? But I don't think it was around, was it? But you've just you just actually answered that by saying you went early doors. Yeah. I don't remember it being around that, that much. It was jujitsu. It wasn't Brazilian. And I remember vividly what... I remember m- judo. Yeah, it was jujitsu. It was traditional jujitsu. And I remember going to like a groundwork competition. Mm. So where you go back to back. I just remember saying, oh, Jimmy. And then you have to go to try and pin each other. And I lost to a 12-year-old girl. <laughs> it's probably still scars <laughs> it's funny my mum is savage she's is she? a complete savage and uh, like I'll, I'll have a Facebook post and I, it was a long story it's a little video about me on the up about yeah. me having to borrow my dad's bike to go to work because I had no money for a car and true story but then my mum comments on the Facebook video your dad still needs his bike back because <laughs> it was still in my garage <laughs> And I was like, thanks, what a legend. And uh, yeah, and when I talk about doing jujitsu, you know, mm. and she goes, oh, didn't you get, didn't you get like that submitted is. by a girl? And, and I was like, there's nothing, mum, firstly, there's nothing wrong being submitted by a girl. And secondly, you know, thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks for just commenting that. <laughs> she sounds like a legend. You know, with this, I was just thinking then with weight cutting, you've done a lot of fitness stuff. Yeah. Competing at fitness, um, in fitness. Are you finding the weight cut for jits really easy then? Yeah. Because surely I've done a little bit of never competing, but I've messed around with sort of a gym work, steroids, I told you earlier, as, as a kid and trying to get into good shape to go on a lad's holiday. Nothing important, but just stupid shit. And like boiling your chicken, boiling your broccoli, that's extremely difficult. Weighing your rice. You don't have to do any of that with jits, do you? So you must find it like a breeze. Very easy. Very yeah. easy. And I'm, I'm, I try and talk to people about this because I've got very deep subconscious habits and routines. So I know what I'm doing. I've been doing this for over a decade. You know, though I can only get so good at the technical abilities of jujitsu, everything else I'm pretty switched on with, mm-hmm. especially with like energy, with cutting weights. And I see it a lot where a lot of people, they don't know what they're doing. And of course, if you're not from that background, weight cut sounds like i just need to starve myself and yeah, it's like yeah. and it's very it's it's understandable that you like that but you're in a performance based sport so the whole point of it isn't to cut weight it's to drop weight and be at your best at that weight mm-hmm. and of course that's very different to me i mean i'm at my gi uh no gi weight right now um but i still need to lose another two another kilo and a half because I want to be 85.5 kilos fully carbed and full of water, not with a gi on, uh, without a gi on. Cause one great thing is that because the gi weighs two and a half kilos, like some of them do, they, I'm in the 85.5 for no gi, but 88.5 for mm-hmm. gi. So also, another thing that's weird is the lighter the gi, the more expensive it is. So the less material, <laughs> the more it costs. And I'm just like, they've, yeah, my dad used to say that about cars. Whenever I bought, <laughs> whenever I bought like a fancy racing-looking car, like an AMG or something, he'd be like, "Son, you've got two seats, two doors, less metal. You've got no aircon, nothing, and you've paid three times as much as I paid." Yeah, and it's <laughs> like designer kids' clothes. I know we're going off on a random tangent, but it's like twenty quid. I'm like, I can get four of those mm. for the same price for mine. But. I suppose with kids as well, they smash through clothes, yeah. right? I'd imagine. I don't have any kids, but. I've got friends that have, and they're just smashing through outfits, grow, outgrowing them, being sick on them, all this kind yeah. of stuff. They've got lots of cousins and friends, though, so hand-me-downs are definitely... Oh, really? Yeah. It's, def- it's the way forward. Let's take it back then a little bit, actually. Let's let's start at the beginning. I want to know about this, Jay, because the, the Jay, I've kind of been on and off following your journey, mate, from fucking early. 
I sent you earlier from Grenade J on Twitter when you were in like the most unbelievable shape. And then I lost you for a bit for a few years. But I think where the transition went over to Instagram, yeah. you then you got to re-remember to follow the people you were following on Twitter. Yeah. And, and then obviously I, when I, I re-found you, you were coming out of fitness a bit and a bit more into kind of video content and stuff. Yes, yeah, it's, it's been a it's been a it's been a long journey, but it's it's slowly been transitioning. What year were you Grenade J? What years? So from two thousand and ten and right up until two thousand nineteen, so nine years. Yeah, two thousand and ten. Two thousand and ten. I got my driving license when I was in two thousand and six. I was seventeen, eighteen, that kind of year. So yeah, it is around then. Yeah. Two ten. So that's right when I probably remember you doing that. Yeah, I left the army December two thousand and nine. Did literally put in for my first natural bodybuilding competition. Did my first body power expo as a um, as a person visiting there. Did a tops off competition on stage. Lost to uh, a female again. Twelve year old girl, <laughs> <laughs> but she didn't take a top off. So it's just like it's a bit unfair. Yeah. And then next to the stage happened to be Alan Jules, who owned Grenade. There mm-hmm. it was their first expo as well literally sold i think they remortgaged their house to afford to um present at that expo and we just got chatting Mm -hmm. and they were saying that they were looking to create this this team grenade thing and you know for me literally just been out the army six five months oh yeah okay like yeah right these things just don't happen so oh yeah we're going to be doing like muscle and fitness magazine i was like oh yeah so everything i've ever dreamt yeah right and then i remember nothing happened for like two months and then I actually had uh, Alan's number and I rang him and then it was just then. And then within Good three Friday. months, yeah, within three months, we had our first photo shoot and the rest is kind of history from there. So that right. was uh, beginning of 2010 when I just started getting onto the fitness scene, competing um, and just kind of establishing a name for myself in the fitness industry. Any brothers or sisters, Jay? One older sister, one younger brother. So like, if I think back to childhood to you, I mean, I've got here that you were into fitness from the age of 13, which mm-hmm. you kind of just said then. Yeah. But talk to me about from kind of zero to 13. What memories have you got of that time? What was life like for you generally? Pretty pretty good, to be honest. I mean, um, my mum and dad still together. I, th- I think, um, you know. Which is rare nowadays. Yeah, very rare. And Mine are. Well. Same with my, my wife, Anna. Um, her mum and dad still together. Me and Anna have been together 25 years since the age of 13. So, so you've been around that family unit. For- yeah, very much so. And so that's always been good. As with anything, having uh, an older sister and a younger brother, always getting into kind of trouble. We we kind of moved out. Uh, we lived down in um, Buxton in Derbyshire, moved to, um, just outside into the countryside where my mum and dad bought this kind of lodge, uh, bed and breakfast place where my dad was kind of running that. Plus, he was manager at WH Smith. So we were Amazing. kind of like left to our own accord whilst my mum and dad's trying to run this business whilst he's also trying to do it whilst working and yeah and I just remember spending a lot of time playing the Super Nintendo spent a lot of time walking going up around the hills and around there and um and very much that's what I can remember of my childhood and then moving from there um to Bognor Regis where Mm -hmm. I am now uh moved there at 12 and beat still of course still there now so that was really what i can remember of it. it was all good really Amazing. no no traumas there that i know of nothing that sticks out 
That's no. nice, mate. Mm. It's actually quite refreshing to hear. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> well, would, nothing that you know of. If you sat yeah. across from a psychiatrist, maybe they'll pick something out of that. Yeah, but. I'm sure there. I'm sure there is. And you, you know, I always find this fascinating because it's, it's coming back to the relationship thing that I, that I said with you. I never used to speak about relationships at all because I said to a friend, I was like, "What do I know about relationships? Mm-hmm. I've been in the same one for 25 years." And he said, "Have you ever stopped to think that how rare that is? And actually, if if anyone should be talking about relationships," it, might be you and I was like I didn't think of it like that and then started talking about it reframe it yeah three videos done a combined 40 million views I was like oh okay (laughs) maybe someone wants to hear what I have to say about it's also quite rare mate for someone that's kind of had your background has your following looks like you speaks like you and has been with one person for that long yeah in in the western world in this day and age it's it's extremely rare isn't it Mm. so it's people will probably would like to know how and how you guys make that work. Do you know what I mean? It's, uh, I think the reality is that it hasn't always worked. You know, I joined the army at 17. So we were kind of spent years just being together on the weekend. But also why that was a good thing is that we didn't live in each other's pockets. We had to become independent people and our own people. So when we were with each other, we could spend time with each other. And actually, that is the real hack when it comes to relationships. And this is the thing, one of the videos that went viral for me was a was a Jim Rohn quote. And it's like, a lot of people have this concept with relationships as if, you know, if we're married all together, you look after me, I look after you. And it's like, it's bollocks. It's like, I look after me for you. And then you look after yourself for me. Because wow. when I've got my shit squared, I can be fully present and communicate. You know, there's no problems there in the relationship. And if you're looking after yourself, then we can have a conversation. But if you're relying on me for something and I'm not there, then what happens? And, and this is the whole breakdown. Ha- yeah, this whole happiness equation. If your happiness is reliant on an, on another person and they're not there, you're not happy. Might have to clip this and show my wife. <laughs> <laughs> but these are these are things which I've. You know, I kind of thought, well, to me, we're like, well, isn't that obvious? It's like, well, no, because there's so much, there's so much when it comes to relationships that you build up based on your history. So if you've been in a really bad relationship and it ended horribly and it affected your self-esteem and self-confidence, in order to build that up, you need to build a wall. Mm-hmm. to protect yourself from happening again. And whenever you build something to protect yourself, you need to create biases, you need to create red flags, you need to create all of these warning signs that are actually saying to you, warning, we don't want to be destroyed again. Survival, isn't it? So keep it up. And a powerful quote that got me through a really harsh time with my relationship is, love is giving someone the power to destroy you and trusting that they don't. Wow. And it's really powerful because the only way that you can love someone again after that relationship's broken down or gone is by giving someone else that power. And some people just really can't, they would rather be single than have to deal with going through that again. Showing that vulnerability again. It's painful though, isn't it, I suppose? 100%. If you've kind of been there. I was just trying to think of that last quote you said and trying to apply it. <clears throat> it's quite interesting that you know the bit about you look after you for me and I look after me for yeah. you but think about this if I'm because I'm a f- f- sorry to but yeah. I'm, I'm in a relationship I'm like I'll give you everything like 
you know, I'll um, I'll be there for you. I'll give you my last breath. I'll, you know, because historically, that's what we're taught relationships are, right? Yeah. You sacrifice for the other person. Yeah, but if I know I've got everything that that you have to give, why mm. do I care about you anymore? You've just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have no value. You have no value. This is this is cringe. 1980s quote that springs to mind and it's treat them mean keep them keep <laughs> i remember that quote <laughs> <laughs> we probably every person has said that and that's not what i'm talking about it's you know a relationship you constantly need to show that individual how much of a value you are to their lives mm. and you show that through looking after yourself and that's not to say that when you're going through a hard time and not looking after yourself, which is going to be the standard for any relationship, that that person's not going to be there for you. But it's just this getting this balance of being there for you and then knowing when it's time to say, sort your fucking shit out. Mm. And one, and this is, I can only talk about my relationship, but we've gone through a lot of tough times over the years. And Anna's never been afraid to sit me down and say, you need to sort your fucking shit out. And sometimes you need to hear that. Yeah. And it's a really delicate subject to talk about, especially when it comes to men's mental health and, and everything else, because what works for one person with advice could be the most toxic thing ever for somebody else. Um. Mm -hmm. That's also why social media can be such a difficult thing to navigate because what what you need to hear right now is probably not what everyone needs to hear. And that's why you get so much polarity when it comes to content. The, the thing that I just said to you now, half the comments loved it, half the comments hated it, hated it with a passion. And that's when you know you're onto a good piece of content because you have that polarity of thought process. Do do you think the haters of that comment, uh, that content, do you think they just didn't understand the message? Because it's quite a deep message. It's, it's a very deep message. It's the same with anything. I, I picked up, I think 23 years of age, I picked up The Power of Now by Aircut. Yeah, I know. I've got it on my I shelf. I read four pages and it said, listen to water. Fuck this. And I literally was like, I ain't got time to listen. I ain't got time. I meditate. Shut the fuck up. I got time 23 to years breathe. old, Breathe. Yeah. I'm fucking breathing. Let's fucking go and now i read it I'm like, ah you know 15 10 12 years later it makes perfect sense mm -hmm. and i just remember having a conversation with this about someone about having the right piece of content at the right time and this is why you get so many arguments on online especially with a lot of advice which is being thrown around to to younger men at the moment it's interesting mate why did you you're into fitness at 13 you're obviously enjoying that. What made you join the army? Um, so, I mean, I was kind of forced into going to the gym at lunchtime because I was going to get expelled from school. Um, so I needed to let off some steam rather than destroy the school. So it was a good idea. For angry? Were you a bit angry, kid? Just bored. Okay. A really strange thing. Uh, about three weeks ago, my daughter Eliza's going into school she's looking at schools for next year mm -hmm. and the school that she's thinking of joining is my old school which i haven't been since i got my gcse results and actually met my wife there and what's funny is that 
it's the first time I've been in the building. So it's like, oh, you know, all that nostalgia. Memories. But I'm walking through and I'm like, that's when I got thrown out of that class. That's when I had to sit on there. And I was like, you've, you had behavior problems. <laughs> and it's like, no, yes, you did. You had, um, you know, I hate to use the word ADHD. It's like, I, I, I was a level of neurodiversity where I was just bored and needed to be entertained. Things weren't challenging me. I was always in, always in trouble. But I had no one there to challenge me or guide me. And it was just like, like oh, okay. Because back then it was like, no, you're a naughty kid. So mm. then you go into the naughty class of all the other naughty kids. You used to get categorized. Yeah. Right? And it's amazing when I was listening to the call, because people talk about education with kids all the time. They're just like, oh, it's, you know, look at the schools. They look exactly the same as when I was a kid. I was like, yeah, but they now have people, uh, additional teachers in that classroom to notice people like me so they can then channel them into the right places. I'm mm. like, imagine if that, you know, imagine it back then if I was challenged and the only thing that made me realize when I was there is that I, I got, I got uh, kicked out of my French class for pinning the uh, teacher against the locker. <laughs> and he, he tried to, he tried to get me in an arm lock and failed. Well, Kimura. Yeah. <laughs> More of an Americana, but you know, and um, rather than put me in the bottom set with my mates, they put me in the top set. Okay. And my GCSE went up because I had no one to fuck around with. So interesting that when you're put in a different environment that actually challenges you and has not got the bell ends that you normally hang around with, that you yeah, actually yeah, perform yeah, yeah. better. So it comes back to that quote of you're the average of the people that you spend the most time with. Mm -hmm. So after fitness, why army? Going back to your original question, yes. Um, How? I left school, joined college did computers at college okay didn't really challenge me to be honest i was good with tech enjoyed the gym and i remember weatherspoons had this thing called sorry ronnie which was burger chips and a pint for for 2.99 which is less than an extra value meal so i'd have that every lunchtime chase it with two more pints and then go back to college and play bomberman <laughs> Uh, with my mates so just scraped the first of two years of being there pretty much wasted it mm -hmm. and uh i was like right where do you go from now i ain't gonna go uni because i'm just gonna end up 15 grand in debt with no degree i don't really want to get a job right now and i actually did work experience at school at the prince of wales regiment in the army okay I was like, oh, why don't you think about joining the army because you can do your fitness and your and your kind of computer stuff so I was like, hmm, okay, let's go to the office. Let's, let's go to the army careers office and see what I can do. And that's the decision that I made because I was like, I'm getting into more and more trouble now, drinking more. And I'm probably going to have two options, either join the army or mm -hmm. go to prison because that's the only, uh, that's the only directions I can see at the moment. And, and was mum and dad okay with you joining the army? Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. Because there's no army in the history of the family, is there? No. In such, no military kind of... No. Um, I think her, her dad was did national service, mm. but other than that, no, not really. So... How long were you in the army? Seven years. Well, yeah, just under seven years. So I joined 17, left at 24. I'm trying to think of that era. 24, was it, was any tours or anything? That yeah, year? so I did um, six months in Iraq. So oh, I did, shit, that was around that yeah, time. Yeah, so 2008, Telic 
Telic eight, Telic seven. So I did six months in Iraq. And then um yeah, that was that was the only tour and, and my and my unit was going out to Afghanistan just as I'd left. left. So yeah. What was um Iraq like? Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. In what sense? <laughs> just do you know what? Like when you're when you're like twenty two, you want to go travel the world. And the thing about the army is that you, you you spend a lot of time doing the drills, doing the exercises, you know, learning how to be a soldier, but you don't actually be a soldier. And it's not until you um get out there that you actually you know, are one. And and by the way, half soldier, let's just say, because I wasn't infantry, I was Royal Signal, so I was doing communications. Mm-hmm. Um, you're the geezer with all the packs on and the radios yeah kind of they were in the cupboard I was working (laughs) I was working with a uh, three star general at one of Saddam's old palaces so loved doing his communications and travel and 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 things there Um, so not as exposed to kind of the the fighting yeah not as exposed I mean during 2008 we were in the green zone and it was just horrendous for rocket attacks got you you know you get about 15-20 a day and once again, it's still scary because going back to our base where where the infantry was, we're s- sleeping with them, and it's right next to the Iraqi prime minister's house, and he's he gets targeted every single night. So yeah. pretty much, don't get much sleep. You're pretty much rolling under your bed or going to the bunker all night, hmm. whilst you just get these rockets shaking your um, your bed. But you kind of the first week, you you just there's so much noise going on with explosions and everything, and you kind of get used to it after a while. And um, anything still in your head from that kind of six month period? Or yeah, just one thing. Go on. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of stupid, but also pretty like Jesus. Christ. So we're we're quite a free run of the uh, the green zone, and mm-hmm. um, there was this uh, there's a great viewing deck above the Australian embassy. They're taking over one of these buildings and. The first two was the Australian embassy and the next two were derelict. And we were like, we'll go up and see the cross swords because there's a great view from there. So we went up there one night and didn't realize that there's some guys just checking us there. And we saw the mortal alarms go off. I'm like, fuck, we shouldn't be up here. And then, yeah, they, it landed on the building and um, knocked me and my mate off our feet. A load of dust luckily Fuck. nothing happened like we were fine but we were so like shaken because firstly we shouldn't have been up there fucked up secondly we couldn't tell anyone so we had to drive back to camp i couldn't sleep that night. i was just like fucking hell that, is was, ringing. that was yeah it was like that kind of you can't believe how you just got away with that and it's just like and then you spent a couple of days just reflecting of firstly how fucking stupid it was because no one knew that we were there and secondly that how lucky we were that actually the reason that they were, were hitting is because they fucking saw you and they were having a pop at you mm-hmm. and you fucked up. So um, that was it. You know, it wasn't, I, I was never front line with, with Iraq or anything like that. So um, compared to a lot of people um, of their tours, mine was quite mild. Does that ever come back to your mind? That, that incident? Nothing like sort of true. No, not back. really. It's just like any squaddy will tell you when they hear that mortal alarm. So the work, like one of uh, one of our guys, he got, he, he got absolutely fragged because he used the mortal alarm as one of his ringtones. <laughs> and that, if, if, even if I hear that, that noise now, and a lot of lads who's listening to this will know, is that, that 
that alarm makes your heart sink. I don't know what that sounds like. I'll have to Google it after this. <laughs> it's still... It's like an air raid shelter sound. Yeah, it's a, it's a certain... And it just makes my heart drop. Because mm. it's like you've literally got about five seconds to get somewhere. And it's this kind of thing where you're like, right, do I go? Do I stay? And and then you get on the ground and you then you hear a massive shake. You're like, oh, that's fucking close. And then the other one's close. You're like, oh, that's it. Good night. Like a modern day um, alarm clock, basically. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it gives the, you that draw. Wakes you the fuck up. Like, <laughs> um, why did you leave, mate? I stopped enjoying it. I always said I'd leave the army. I always looked at the army as a stepping stone onto something else. But I always said I'd leave when I stopped enjoying it. And I, mm. you know, I had a great, great time. But I remember I had a staff sergeant. He's a bit of a prick. Um, me and... Anna were in marriage quarters. I was a lance corporal when you, you're kind of not an adult in the army until you're a sergeant. So I just got a bit stuck in the bullshit, mm. you know, just like one of the, I think one of the things that really annoyed me was I was a healthy fit soldier and there was a lot of people who were getting paid the same amount as me who weren't a healthy fit soldier who had, you. you know, kids and everything. And there was no incentive for them to get healed and better because it's like, well, if I do, then I'm going to Afghanistan. Or if I do, it means that I've got to go away for three weeks and not see my kids. Mm-hmm. So uh, there was a lot of guys that are very content to be, uh, we, we, we used to call them biff chits. And what it is, is like when the PTI comes to you, like you've got a fitness test, the person who's always injured, go into their pocket and get out their biff chit to say, no, I'm not, I don't have to do anything. Got you. And we a used, sick note. Yeah, exactly. And we used to call it, um, that guy's got a laminated biff chip because it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's, it, he's always on it. So he, the word biff, yeah. I, I remember from the old the days. Bloody idle fat fuck. That's what it actually Oh, is that what it stands for? for? Yeah, oh, right. Yeah. yeah. We used to, we're we not allowed to use it, it these days. No, like a derogatory. Yeah. Yeah. And, but then you think about it. It's like, well, hang on a minute. I'm not seeing my wife at all i'm not getting all the stuff because i'm fit healthy and strong so i can go any i can get put on exercise for two weeks then you go in afghanistan and everything and you're just like well all because somebody else can't go mm. and i was just like i don't i want kids later on in life i don't the one thing that will ruin me is having to say goodbye to my three-month-old child in the knowledge that two things one i might not see them again and two i'm not gonna the next time i see you is eight months and you just don't get that first five years with a child, you don't get back. Mm. And I wasn't willing. Heavy thinking like I that, was not it? willing to do that. I wasn't willing to be away for my for my kids. Is that something that you kind of champion a lot? That mindset that if something becomes not enjoyable anymore or a chore, that you may look to change direction. Very much so, and it's it sounds kind of because obviously with the relationship, you've not done that. Yeah, you've dug in and you've gone for it. It's such an interesting thing because it's knowing what things to pivot on, p- pivot on and what things not. And That's I, the I've trick, had, isn't it? I've had a few people say to me, will you give advice, like you just said there, that says to keep going with something? And then you've also given advice to say, you know, if you're not enjoying something, don't do it. And it's like, no, but one of the things that you're looking at is understanding that if you keep going with this thing, even if you don't enjoy it, you'll end up getting a reward. So if I keep going with this military career, there is a law of diminishing returns here. I'm I'm deeper and deeper down this rabbit hole and not necessarily benefiting my life. And 
you know, think back now if I'd stayed in versus now, you know, I knew that I was meant for other things, bigger things, better things. And that's why I decided to leave. I was like, this this is this is geared this is sorted my life out from the age of 17 to 22 23 but there's something out there for me probably helped you grow up as well that army 100% you know I mean? I'd imagine. yeah and it's just really understanding discipline what's what's weird about discipline and i talk very much about discipline these days because a lot of people say to me how do you be motivated and i'm like well one one thing you associate with the army is discipline and it's not the way that i look at discipline in the army, you have to work until there's no more work to do. So it's like, I fucking hate this. We'll just get it done so we don't have to do anything else. And actually, that's really what discipline is. It's mm. like, I don't want to go to the gym. I fucking hate going to the gym. So let's just go so we don't have to go again for another day. And it's that thing because a lot of people are looking for motivation. And something I say all the time is, you know, motivation's a feeling and discipline's a thought process. You know, if you're relying on motivation to get things done, you're not going to get fuck all done. If you understand the thought process of going, most things that are going to change your life, you're not going to want to do. Fucking do them anyway. I've, I've read something similar online about where motivation runs out is where discipline kind of has yeah. to kick in. Yeah, 100%. You can't always be motivated. No. We're humans. A hundred percent. And I was, I was look at it as your first voice and second voice. And your first voice is essentially this flight or fight is kind of wants to keep you safe it's that you know for me i, I do the 6am jiu-jitsu class so it's the voice that says oh, jay let's, let's not go today let's not let's 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 go for a walk instead go on it's nice uh, this my voice feels yeah. every morning <laughs> yeah just go out of bed and i i've got a cold plunge in my garden it's like jay you've got 200 videos of you jumping in that fucking thing from the same angle just put one of those up no one's gonna know they're gonna know you know that there's always that that, well firstly it's just like i'll know but secondly there's always somebody that will message me go did you go like glasses up did you go in your cold plunge today yeah and that's like a knife in my side to go you know and i know that i didn't do you go every morning then how long's that been going um i see it on instagram so i used to do c dips in 2020 i started those and then Panny D hit, and mm-hmm. then I decided to go into the sea every day. And I went in every single day for two and a half years. And then I got the cold plunge. And I actually was at an expo, and I was like, oh, you know, I, I sea dip every day, wind, rain, and shine. So getting that then, I was like, fucking hell, this is different. Mm. And I was just like, right, I need one of those. And it just transitioned from that. I still love my sea dips, but it's just the convenience of having that in your back garden. That, like a four degree ice bath which is just staring at you and it's funny because it's like um it's got one of the uh, generators on it mm-hmm. so when i go downstairs i can hear it whispering to me it's like, <laughs> come on jay go and get cold and for me it's brilliant because it's this anyone's if anyone ever tells you that they love cold or cold plunges they're full of shit it's the only thing i know that regardless of how many times you do it you still don't want to do it you know, most things you kind of get good at and then you kind of enjoy it like the gym. You know, you kind of get good at it. You kind of enjoy it and kind of get your your people around you. Not that. No. It's like that. Sea dipping we do quite a bit, obviously, where we live here. But I've never done a cold plunge, to be honest. I've never done like a proper ice bath. And I know they're colder. Yeah. Yeah, they just hit differently. I mean, for me, I always talk about, I love bringing a new person into the sea. 
because a lot of people, when you try and explain to them what meditation is or mindfulness, mindfulness is a weird one because they're like, it means that you've got to get better at thinking. It's like, no, no, no. It means like mindfulness is you need to get better at unthinking. You need to develop a skill where you don't entertain thoughts in your head and allow them to pass. Beautiful thing about cold is you can't think of fuck all. And so I like getting somebody in who's breathing a lot deeper and a lot bigger than they normally are, which is great for calming the nervous system down in themselves. And then I say to them, what are you thinking of? And they're like, what are you on about? I said, what are you thinking of? And they're like, nothing. And I always say this quote by Naval Ravikant. I'm like, people don't want peace of mind. They want peace from mind. If you can find five minutes a day Mm -hmm. to get peace from your mind, whichever way you do it, you can either download an app, which for me, I get bored after five minutes, or you can jump in an ice cold plunge. You can get that five minutes forced upon you. It's like stillness, isn't it? Mm. I've heard Wim Hof say something similar. It's so cold that you've got no time to think of anything else. You're just trying to stay alive. And my one goes down to two and I jumped in a two degree and I was like, okay, because even sea dips are cold. The coldest sea around me is April and it's maybe eight degrees, which is fucking cold. Yeah. But it's not two degrees. Is there no risk when you're going down to two degrees, Jay? I always think about this. Jumping and having a fucking heart attack or something. Well, if you, if you have heart conditions, and I don't recommend that you do. <laughs> and that's what I say to people. There's dangers in everything. Because I don't, even when we see dip, some of the lads will run straight in and dive straight in, right? Mm. I tend to get my breathing straight on the beach, yep. walking up to my waist, three, four seconds, make sure the breathing's still right, then walking probably up to my chest, yep. three, four seconds, then dip my shoulders in, two, three seconds, then dip my head in. More yep. like a stage thing. I haven't really jumped straight in, to be honest. It, uh, I don't know if I could. <laughs> look, at, look at how people approach things. Some people just dive head first and mm. some people take a methodical approach. Which way is the best? Depends on the person, I guess, right? 100%. The reality is, is that one of the main worries when it comes to cold water is um, the fact, you know, you hear these stories of people falling through ice lakes and then drowning. And the drown comes through that gasp reflex, that gasp reflex coming underwater. And what happens when you gasp when you're underwater? You swallow water and you drown. So if you are in waist level water and you've got three or four people around you and you gasp, you're not really going to gasp under that water because you're not going to go under. And even if you do go under, hopefully someone around you is going to look at that. With my cold plunge, it's got a little seat in. So even if I sat I'm sitting in it, even if I was to uh, somehow, I yeah. probably wouldn't drown. Touch wood. Touch wood. <laughs> Touch plastic wood. <laughs> and uh, if so, I'm, I'm normally live streaming it. So, you know. Someone will hopefully get there. <laughs> <laughs> Press within, the like button. Within, Come on, get him out. Within a minute. They'll be like, is this a stunt? <laughs> and it, yeah, so it's, it's, if you think too much about stuff, yeah, okay, you know. I'm a chronic so overthinker, though, mate. There's danger. There's danger. So I, uh, a good friend of mine, Dr. Mike. Yeah, um, yeah. He, Dr. Mike, I've been trying Mike. to get down here for ages. He lives yeah. near you, doesn't he? He lives. Yeah, he does. So I, I've been forced, I've forced him in the sea for years, and he's very much always thinks of the worst and the outcome and that. And it, there is, a, is, there is sense to that. But sometimes you can overthink something and something you just, like, for me, I won't look at a menu and go, oh, I need to make the right decision. It's like, just order something. That probably goes back to that wall you were talking about earlier. 
the safety thing. Yeah. We're, 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 you know, all we want to do is survive as humans, don't we? That's yeah. deeply rooted into our DNA. So the moment where we think something is, is, is going to be a problem for that survival, we just go, no. Yeah, 100%. We'll talk ourselves out of it. But it's also understanding your own emotions and, and everything. And that's something that I, I speak to a lot of people when it comes to things like self-doubt, mm -hmm. when it comes to overwhelm, when it comes to anxiety. When it comes to all of these things, you've got to think where this all originates from. And I love that there's a there's an article by James Clear and he talks about um, delayed return environments and immediate return environments. And you know he says, well, the human brain is around two hundred thousand years old, and it's only five hundred of those years where we're kind of in this um, delayed return. Because back then, if you got got anxiety, it's because something needed to get done. Normally, go and find some food, go and find some shelter you know survive Run and as soon danger, as yeah. and as soon as that's been sorted your brain reduces its stress and anxiety because it's no longer in danger nowadays we get stress and anxiety over things firstly we don't know what the fuck about and secondly we don't immediately get it reduced because that is an ongoing problem wow you know if you think of jobs you know, you could be having financial problems and you could still be turning up to work eight hours a day and you're still not getting that problem solved. I've never thought of it like that. You're right. We're, we're, we're panicking about the future a lot more than probably we were in those days. And I'm sure you had to think about your next meal, but it was quite easily fixed. But the, these are all, you know, one of the things when it comes to anxiety, fear, all of these things, they are signals that your brain has given you to take action on something. And if you're not taking action on something, guess what happens? They get worse because it's it's as it's like that, you know, that constant thing. It's like I'm just going to keep making this worse for you until you do something about it. And most people don't. It's a very powerful message. That you bury your head, don't you? And a, and a little thing that isn't really a problem if you just confronted it six months later is almost life changing. I think it was General McCreevy said, "Touch a thistle timidly, and it pricks you. Grasp it with both hands, and its spine crumbles." So you need to crumble more spines. Got you. Mate, 2009, you leave the army. Mm. 2010, we spoke about earlier, you go to this competition, you meet Al, you become effectively the Grenade J that then I discover on Twitter. Yep. <laughs> a few years after that. Did you, did you own a gym then as well in Chichester? No. So that was 2016. We opened that, so... That was that the gr a grenade gym? Yeah, it was great. Oh, one of Al's ones? Yes, yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, I'm so I was started working with Al at Grenade 2010. I had a dream to build a gym and ended up just speaking to Al and said, do you want to do this together? Because I'm, I'm doing it anyway, but it'd be great because, you know, I've shown my loyalty with the brand and I call myself fucking Grenade J for Christ's sake. I'm in. I've been in for 10 years. At the time, I've been like in for like seven, eight years and it was a great decision for both of us. It's like, I will, you know, I want to build this and you want to build this brand and I, I'm in. So... Is it still there, the gym? It, the gym's still there. The brand not is all guys, different. Not you no, guys anymore. No. And it, it, was a, it was a case of poor timing. It, it's one of those things that should have worked, but... We were, firstly, you don't know until you know. Secondly, for for our own grenades, carb killer, which is now the grenade bar. Suddenly, you find this unicorn thing, which is going to the moon. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, you've just also launched this little little gym in 
Chichester with, you know, one of your sponsored athletes. And, you know, you've got a big board and everyone's saying, we've, this thing, this thing can change the game for the business. Which one do you focus on? Yeah. The, the timing piece is really important. I've, I've lost a lot, failed a lot through that timing thing. I'll go somewhere and see something and think, what a fucking great idea. Yeah. I'm going to do that in Bournemouth. But guess what? We're generally five years behind the cities. Yeah. So you see something in London that's working really well. We come here and we do it, pump a load of money into it. It goes wrong, mainly because it's not fitting into people's lifestyles here yet. Three years later, someone comes along, opens the same thing and smashes it. And then you have this, the self-doubt kicks in. You think, was that me? Did we do something wrong? But generally, most, a lot of the time, it can be us as well. I don't want to not blame someone else, but most of the time it's timing. Which a bit early. Yeah, and, and we were kind of a bit early and kind of the fact that I remember waking up on the day of opening the gym and I was like, I've just gone from a solo PT, you know, working for myself, doing whatever I want, to now having, you know, twelve staff and a gym that needs to be open fourteen hours a day, seven days a week. Cause I said mm. we do that because we open up an hour before the one across the road and we op- and we close an hour after. Um so there's me realizing that I've just hired a uh a receptionist for 40 hours and we're open 150 <laughs> so i'm like okay i'll do 40 yeah, who's gonna do you all do this 40. work yeah, yeah but you know first running a business you just like i'll oh, figure it out as we go along Mate, so. g- gyms are tough anyway aren't they yeah gyms are tough like um we have a gym at the moment inside the hilton here in bournemouth and we're looking to roll it out across other hiltons and we've dabbled in the gym game before but i think we underestimated how hard it is to change people's habits of where they go to train because they feel safe and comfortable and you think, oh, they'll just come to us. But I think of myself, we don't really like change as humans, do we? Mm-hmm. 100%. I'm used to that bench press. I'm used to that car parking space. I'm used to, even when I come here to record these, I look for the same four spaces. Yep. Today's thrown me in a bit of a tears because I've had to park somewhere else because <laughs> it was busy. And I'm, I'm exactly the same. It's quite exactly that routine, isn't it? Even so much, I put my bag in the same place when I go to jujitsu. I'm the same. Like, exactly. Same, same place. My shoe's in the same place. Like, to, I've got a bit of OCD anyway, but like, kind of. It's if, routine. If it's been moved, I'm like, oh, that doesn't feel right. I yeah. have to move it back. Yeah. And it's the same, you know, like in hindsight, I would have opened that gym completely different mm. nowadays. But something that I just remember um, Stephen Bartlett being at IFS and he said, um, 100% certainty is only available in hindsight. And I love that because Very it's true. just like, you just need to get fucking go for things because you just don't know until, until you've done it. Of course. We were speaking about this earlier when we were at breakfast that I'm, I'm, I can be a bit of a perfectionist. And then obviously only later in the last couple of years, it's all now this new narrative is perfection kills progress. Because yep. my team will send me a bit of artwork if we're launching an event and I send it back a hundred times and I'm talking, mate, the most minute, I'm like, can that letter just be to the right by a mill? The team like time, no one's going to fucking notice that. You're staring at it for three hours. Someone's just going to see it on Instagram. And a lot of time I found that is what happens with me. I, I can't sometimes progress stuff because I'm stuck trying to get it just right before I launch it. But most of the time when I've gone for it, so I'm, I'm, I'm quite impulsive. So if I think I'm going to do this, I've got to kind of do it now. If I have too much time to stew on it, it doesn't get done. Yeah, I never launch it. I never post it. I never write it. I never send it. And it's it's knowing how you work things because I, I literally just listened to Arnold Schwarzenegger's new book, Be Useful, and he was talking about really about if you're going to do something, do it 
the best you can. And it makes sense because he was telling stories of obviously himself mm-hmm. and getting where he's got. And he was also telling stories of James Cameron and his films, like so much so he created Titanic, one of the, at that time, done the most at the box office ever, but so much so that he spent months and months, if not years, researching the the, the Titanic, so much so that he had all the same china and cutlery that was actually on the Titanic because he'd done his research because of that. And as you said, it's like most people are just watching a fucking film. Not see, looking I, at you the, wouldn't have noticed that. Not looking at the teacup, but he is. And it comes back to something that I think it was, um, why does my name go blank with the founder of Steve Jobs? He was talking about uh, his dad making him go and paint uh, the fence at the front of his house. So he paints the front, but doesn't paint the back. And he's like, Son, you haven't paid the back. And he said, well, no one will see. He goes, but we will. And it comes back to him saying that the inside of an Apple computer needs to look like a a masterpiece. And his people saying, well, no one's going to see inside the the computer. And it's like, but we will. So I think there is a danger. The the concept is, is basically this kind of law of diminishing returns. My videographer was a perfectionist. He would spend hours getting the sound design on something on a 45 second piece of content. And it's this kind of understanding of there is a law of diminishing returns, whereas spending another hour on this might not actually give you the result that you want, depending on what it is that you're doing. Because when we look at content, it really doesn't matter because a lot of the time it's a game of quantity over quality until you get better and then it's quality quantity. But you don't get better until you do more. There are other things that it might be worth putting that extra hour in because although you don't notice, other people do. And I remember listening to a guy called Robin Sharma and he said one of the most amazing things that he saw in Italy is he was asking a lemon for his water and he saw the waiter cutting the lemon and taking the pips out and putting it there. And it was the first time they'd ever seen someone actually take the extra effort to take the pips out. And that doesn't seem like much, but a person like me notices these things, Mm -hmm. especially restaurants. One of the things that I love is going to a restaurant and it's not very hard to do, but it's hard to be consistent with. And it's when a waiter comes over and doesn't ask whose is this and just puts it in the place that the person who ordered it has. I noticed that and it's very rare to have. They do it, at, I think they do it at Hawksmoor and they do it at some other places, but it's very rare. And I pick up on that shit. Oh, you're saying that they know who ordered it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, when, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. when a waitress comes and goes, okay, we've got this. And then you have to put your hand up. They don't. They just put it because they know exactly who ordered it. As and, they were taking the order. Yeah. They and I look around the table. No one's clocked that but me. Mm-hmm. So there's always somebody that does notice these things and that. Attention to detail is a good thing. Massive thing. I think. And so. I think a lot of people get this kind of perfectionism confused with this little, you know, this mm-hmm. little going above and beyond a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It's knowing when to to do it and, and most importantly knowing when when not to. So when it comes to the typography of something and everything else, if it if, if that is causing you to not do the thing whatsoever, then that's a problem. 2016, bro, you wrote something on your website. So Oh, which website? Good question. <laughs> Maybe it was on your website. It says, you tell me where this is from. In 2016, I had a total meltdown that made me reevaluate everything I was doing in life. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. So I think that might have been medium or or something along that lines. But what what meltdown? Because that, according to me, that's that's around about the time when you were grenade J, right? Yes. Yeah. Probably flying yeah. high, big on Twitter. Yep. yep. So 2016 was when I had the first year of the gym, mm -hmm. and everything was amazing. New business, new drive to build this amazing thing. And I remember turning around to my wife and was like, right, we need to treat this like I'm on operational tour. So I'm not really here because I need to focus on this. So I kind of turned into this machine mode, comp prep mode, where I'm not an actual, like, it's, it's weird to say, but I'm not an actual human. I'm just a functioning thing that needs food and energy and, and routine. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what I did for a year. I was basically just didn't really chat to humans, like kind of thing I did, but it was just all like kind of, inputs and outputs transactional and, yeah all transactional not really speak to any friends didn't really spend much time uh eliza was three or four at the time um yeah three or four at the time didn't spend much time um with them like with my wife and her was getting into the gym at 4 a.m uh finishing there about 11 midnight and um that year I had the most successful year ever. I, you know, just launched that business. Fantastic. Had number one health podcast in the UK. Fantastic. Just launched a new book, Mindset Muscle, number one on Amazon in like three different places. And, you know, it was not, not number three on Amazon. So not just some random category that a lot of Amazon people just go, oh, I'm number one bestseller in religion um, and crystals. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah. In Kazakhstan. I, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and I just on the charity events, I raised over ten thousand pound to my local um, St Wilfrid's Hospice, who looked after my granddad before he passed away. Um, set a new world record, pushed a sweat sled for twenty four hours, and I was floating on a cloud. December and December, I get very reflective. I'm like, okay, all all of this stuff has been magical, but why are you so? Why do you feel like shit? And it was like I just I haven't been there for anyone. I haven't spoken to anyone. I haven't been there for my wife. I can't remember the last time I properly spoke to my daughter, like had a sit down and play with her other than just the quick high thing. Mm -hmm. And then I just realized how much, um, like if I want to continue this life, it needs to come at a cost and a sacrifice. So if I want to be the successful person that I need to be next year. I need to make some sacrifices. I need to, fo I need to be a bit more selfish. I need to focus on me. Um, and then I started drinking really heavily for like two weeks because I wasn't, there's was a lot of voices kind of thing. And I just wanted to just drown them out and ended up, I think it was around second or third week of December, just before Christmas that I just said to her, I'd, she went out, I'd had a bottle of wine to myself, came back and I said, oh, I'm done. She said, what do you mean you're done? I said, oh, I'm, I'm moving out. I said, I'm done. And I, and I walked to my gym, which was about eight miles. And then slept on the gym floor. And then that's like a massive thing of not knowing what I'm doing, but I know I needed space and I needed to get out. So I um, left left home, separated from Anna, and got a flat up near where my gym was. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just remember I was like, like this is my new life. And uh, went and bought all this, all this nice lads pad stuff, new TV, <laughs> new everything. Spent yeah, spent about. 20 grand on stuff Fuck. 
kitted the whole place out. And it was really, as you said, OCD and that I needed it. I was going out and, and it was reminding me a bit like Fight Club where you needed the, the right cups and the right things. Mm. And I went out and I bought fucking everything. And sometimes I, it'd take me half an hour to leave because I need, everything needed to be in, in a place. It's really weird. But I remember sitting there by myself going, this isn't it. And I was drinking really, I ended up drinking really heavy there. And it just made me realize a lot. I was like, the thing that you fucked up, Jay, is that this year you've been there for everybody else apart from yourself and your family. And the whole point of this success and the whole point of doing all of this shit that you're doing is for them. And this is the reason why you're so fucked up now. It's because you realize deep down that you were doing it all for you. And the reason that we're sitting here drinking two bottles of wine is that you realize how much of a selfish prick you've been, but you've been incredibly selfless to other people that don't actually matter. Mm. You'll happily spend 45 minutes on a phone call to someone from Instagram because you want them to pick down, put down the phone and go, I just spoke to Jay Alderton. Like, he's incredible. But you will, can't even have a fucking 10 minute conversation with your wife to see how her day wow. is. What a piece of shit you are. And it was this kind of thing that I wasn't really willing to to realize. And 2017, that all changed. I, I understood this kind of balance of extreme selfishness coming from a bodybuilding background is the more selfish you are, the more successful you are. Because mm -hmm. if you can look after number one, if you can get your meals prepped, you get your training in, you get your cardio in, you get your sleep in, you win trophies. Trouble is with that is if you spend too long doing that, there's no one to s share the trophies with. Yeah. And if you're extremely selfless, everyone around you will love you, but you'll end up resenting yourself because everyone will rely on you for their happiness and health. And you end up giving their ha health and happiness at the cost of yours. And that is really dangerous to be in. And I realized actually that I've been kind of a weird balance of being completely selfish with my own wants and needs to be successful in and being really selfless with my time with people who don't really fucking matter. Mm. And the balance needed to be telling strangers to fuck off and being super selfish with them and then giving all of my time and attention selflessly to my family. And it's kind of a weird twisted magnet of balance back into the middle. I'm smiling because it's something I can really resonate with. It's something that I need to work on more, what you just said there. Sometimes I get caught up. I was worried that if I told people to fuck off, that, that they'd mm -hmm. stop liking me. Mm -hmm. And I forgot that actually if you set boundaries and tell people to fuck off, the people that actually matter respect that more. Yeah, you're right. And I... I've done this thing over the last year or two where I've done a lot of work on that, what you've just spoken about. Um, and the therapist I was seeing rooted it right back to being a little brown kid in a white school and desperate to fit in, to be picked for the football team, not to be picked on. So this kind of yes man mentality of pleasing everyone and anyone to be the kiddie. And I've spent the last two years blaming that. But actually listening to you now, I've got to take responsibility for that myself a little bit rather than yeah. keep going. It's deeply rooted in me because I have trauma from this childhood experience. It all dates back to your childhood. I remember moving from the Midlands, you know, where 
fashion wasn't a thing <laughs> at all. And then coming to school the first day with a moleskin jacket and winkle pickers, thinking I'm going to get the shit kicked out of me if I don't sort my stuff out. So once again, one of the things which you don't realize you're older that you're really good is 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 noticing trends. Obviously, it helps with social media now. Of course. What I do, but reading the room, I'm going okay, cool. So what what are the popular kids? What are they doing? Well, they're playing football. Okay, cool. Don't play football. We'll play football. Are oh, they wear kickers? Oh, cool. So I'll go get my mum's K's catalogue out, get some kickers. They're all wearing these Kappa jackets. Cool. Kappa. Let's, what let's, a brand that was. <laughs> let's, let's get these two, let's get these Kappa jackets. And they're all wearing, and the popular kids all have Helly Hansen bags. Okay, cool. Get myself one of those. Amazing how quickly you get popular just by wearing the right clothes. Mm-hmm. Amazing how easy it is to fit in when you just read the room and understand whatever what everyone's you know, and the great thing is we didn't have social media, so it's very easy to everything's based on somebody Chinese whispers and opinion. So for me, I went from nobody to like popular kids by changing my clothes and getting in a fight with someone. That was it. It's 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 weirdly addictive though, isn't it? When you start getting a bit of momentum, getting a little bit I don't know known you know, getting a bit noticed. It's weirdly addictive. Mm. And you think the people that you just spoke about that care about the most, you sort of have this thing in your head where, well, they'll always be there. I'm just going to concentrate on this because it's kind of going towards, I'm getting excitement from it. It's new. It feels good. They'll always be there. They'll always be there. It's only when they're not there, whether that's a family member dying, whether that's you losing your partner, whether that's, and then all of a sudden you're like, fuck. Yep. I was concentrating on the wrong thing. Yeah. But it seems like you actually had that realization at a good time. Uh, before I, it was too late if i was to go back i'd do it over and over and over again because i'm so glad now that i know where i want to be in the next five years and it is doing what i'm doing now 10 times bigger mm. but it's 10 times bigger with them yeah, and that. and people say oh well, you know in order to it's this i think a lot of people there's two kind of things the reason that people don't do shit is they think it's fear of failure. So what if I don't succeed? And it's like, well, here's the thing. You will fail. That's the whole fucking point of success mm-hmm. is that you go from mistake to mistake to learning it and doing it. Most people's fear is fear of success because they've never achieved that thing. And they believe that in order to achieve that, they need to be a different person. And it's like, no, what you learn to understand with it is that you don't need to be a different person to have be successful mm-hmm. people hear this 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 kind of you've changed it's like, well here's the thing if you're in a position where you you if you're in a position where you're not successful at the moment you're not having the things that you want and it's been like that for 20 years pretty much have to change yourself of course because the problem is you but if you have proven to yourself that you're on the right path and you've done success more success doesn't mean that you have to become a different person. And I think a lot of people say that success and money, very much so, it doesn't change you, it exposes you. Yeah, I've I've read that. If you're a bellend and you have then suddenly become rich, you just end up becoming a rich bellend. More of a bellend. Yeah. And and if you end up becoming successful in your bellend, you just become a successful bellend. And it's just this kind of realization of, cool, you know, I've got my, I I believe I've got my shit squared now. Um, I know I'm doing things for the right reasons. And I've got a solid foundation for the growth now. Mm. And I say this to people all the time, it's just patience and turning up every day. And people don't like to hear that when it comes to success, but it's just like... It doesn't make a good story, does it? No. 
<laughs> turn off every day and grind turn off every day and grind turn yeah. off, everyone wants a success but they yeah. don't want the work exactly and you just don't know when it's going to come and it's just be patient be consistent and i always say be like bamboo and uh i always say this that if you plant a bamboo seed and water it for a year nothing happens if you water it for two nothing happens if you water it for three it sprouts out the ground certain species of bamboo can grow 90 feet in six weeks and it wasn't the fact that you know you weren't growing in that three years you just needed to have a solid foundation for the growth and you went out i love that because mm. it's like cool if i suddenly blow up now in the next three years the foundation's there we're good i'm doing it all for the right reasons i've got my boundaries in place i'm happy with telling people to fuck off yeah the boundary piece is is very important for so many of us at the moment yeah and what you said there reminded me it, i've got huge respect for him for it paul moore fucking does everything with his kids yep. everything mate. they go everywhere i was in the other wfc he's <laughs> fucking sat four chairs in front of me but takes his kids everywhere which also is pretty rare takes his family everywhere takes his wife everywhere you know they're at ifs they come together as a whole as a yeah. unit remembering what's important isn't it 100 anything you change bro any regrets no and there's probably a lot of reg- i mean obviously big regret is not buying bitcoin in 2017 <laughs> that's an obvious one yeah but I, I pondered on this about regrets and that and i think a lot of people look at regrets so i wish i'd done that and they haven't stopped to consider that a lot of things which if you did back then you don't know where you'd be now because mm-hmm. of that decision so and it's not the big things it's just the little decisions you know regret you know, it might have been a regret that I didn't build that gym. It might have been a regret that I didn't go into partnership with Grenade for that gym. But then I might not have had that meltdown. Mm-hmm. I might I might not have it's had that like, yet. It's all linked, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I might have actually become super successful by myself because I didn't, you know, the online stuff kicked off and went crazy. And I could have had that meltdown this year. Though... I could have had that meltdown with two kids and more to lose and not being in a place that's ready for it. So looking back and wishing something was different is not something I do much because I'm like, of course it can, but then it's a a great film that I like to watch is called About Time. it's, It's beautiful, beautiful film. And it's about... I won't spoil it too much, but it's about a kid on his 18th birthday. It's called Bill Nye, Nye, Nye in, and he tells him on his 18th that he can go back through time. He just needs to go into a cupboard and close his eyes and squeeze and he's back in time. And he realizes that everyone in every, every male in the um, family has that as soon as they hit 18. And it just goes around this whole story about him going back to change things and then mm-hmm. coming back. And then like, for example, his, his um and i won't spoil it too much go and watch it most of you have watched it but his um sister has a car accident she goes back and prevents a car accident but then he comes back to his real life and his daughter is now a son it's that chain reaction isn't it i've, yeah, I've, I've watched something recently effect kind of thing oh my head's gone now netflix bodies oh okay have you seen this series and it's very similar to that it's about time traveling and and every time they go back to fix something something else breaks yeah and this is like endless cycle and they have to break out the cycle. It reminded me of that then. When you and I always it. have these mental models with anything that my head thinks of. I'm just like, well, yeah, you know, it's the same with, with that. It's just like I'm not willing to change anything because I'm very happy with who I am now. And if it meant that I'd be different to what I am now, then 
I need to go back through that pain and everything because there, there were lessons there that have caused to where I am today. Mate, you've done a lot of impressive things in your life. When you're laying on that deathbed, what are you going to be most proud of? Um, what would I be most proud of? The fact that I didn't bullshit myself, that I called myself out constantly. Yeah. Powerful, yeah. that. That, you know, like anyone, I procrastinate a lot. I have a lot of self-doubt. I feel sometimes like if, any entrepreneur, any business owner, anyone who's doing stuff that pretty much at least once or twice a week, I just want to burn it all to the ground and grab my laptop and start again. Because I secretly deep down, I, I think like that's that two exactly, days ago. Yeah, right? I, I, I'd say two, <laughs> two to three times a week. I'm like that. I'm like, just Fuck this, yeah. because <laughs> I like having my back against the wall. I like when shit hits the fan. It's the squaddy in me. It's the, it's, it's, I, it's the boat burner in me. Where, where does that come from? Like I was going to ask you earlier, but I thought I'd let the rest of the story play out a bit. You've got this thing where you're constantly chasing challenge, right? You want to challenge yourself physically, mentally. Where did that yeah. come from? And what are you going to do when that can't be a thing when you're older? Why can't it be a thing when you're older? Maybe you'd be a bit more frail and not fragile and not able to do... You're looking at things as a, as a physical thing. I see. You could you always can, mentally you, challenge you yourself. Challenges, I mean, like... But is there an off button in there? And do you think it, you should find, have an off button? I find it hard to switch off and that's... What, why I do a lot of the cold water. That's why I do a lot of the breath work. It's why I challenge myself. Actually, the, the thing, the biggest, a biggest challenge for me is not to do stuff. It's to not do stuff. And that to the me, when it's, once again, is that, you know, challenging me to go and run a marathon a day. Challenging me is to sit quiet for fucking 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> or sit on the sun lounge on holiday. <laughs> yeah. I can't do it. I'm yeah. up and down. Yeah. And then, and I, you know, getting used to boredom, getting used to being okay with not doing the next thing and and having the habits of routines to switch off. Um, I've gotten so much better at, at it over the years. But I think as well, you, you're always going to, there's never going to be a time in anybody's life where you're going to look in the mirror and go, we're done. I'd be worried to anybody that like has a hard, who has a hard stop on anything because that's not what life's about. Life's about, you know, looking for the next thing, making progress. It's not about, you know, people look at, you know, like hard work and hustle and everything. And I'm just like, look, it's just waking up every day and being proud of yourself and actually challenging yourself to do everything that you want in your life makes life so much fucking easier. It's when you ignore all the signs, it's when you avoid all this shit that actually that's when all of that self-confidence and self-esteem and everything goes out the window mm. because you end up becoming a bullshitter to yourself. And it's so much easier to avoid that than it is to expose yourself. And that's why so many people aren't self-aware. You know, it's very hard to write down on a piece of paper in what way are you a prick. It's very hard to... And be honest, really honest with yourself. It's very hard to have a lot of anger towards that your last five relationships haven't worked because I keep dating idiots when you haven't stopped to consider whether you're the idiot. There's a quote that come up on TikTok last night as I was having a little late night scroll and it said, if you keep having the same problem with everyone, maybe you're the problem. Yeah. <laughs> I've screenshot it. I'm going to post it. Yeah. And it's, and a lot of the time 
I'm I'm exposing myself with that. I'm sitting down, I'm writing down, I'm going, in which ways are you flawed? It's extreme stoic mentality, actually. I think a lot of people are afraid that they're not good enough, but they're just, they mask it. They're like, oh, you know, I don't want to. Because the thing is, is everyone will have these thoughts, but until it's down on a piece of paper, it, it all fucking changes when mm. it does. Because there's two things that happen when you write something down that you're not happy about. Be it your weight, be it where you are in life. You can blame somebody else or you can fucking change it. And most people just go, well, it's because of this circumstance or this circumstance or, you know, this or we just won't talk about it full stop. And I just don't want to be that person. And, you know, I appreciate people who call me out and stuff that I'm not, you know, I'll doing. remember that next time I see yeah, something on social media. Yeah. <laughs> no, or you. And it's, it's cool. It's not to say, and it's okay. To, mm. This isn't being perfect. I fuck up all the time. There is times where I do miss the cold plunge and there is times where this and that. It's not, I said, if you can be 80%, 100% of the time, you're pretty much going to be further than most people in life. Yeah, I really like that when you said that earlier. Really like that. Because some days you wake up, you miss a gym, you miss a training session, then you feel guilty all day that you've, you're slacking. Yeah. Or you've had a, an hour extra in bed. Yeah. And then you feel bad, you punish yourself all day thinking that you've, you fucked up. But I think I read something somewhere that said, if you only have, I can't remember what it was, I don't want to butcher it. It was something along the lines of, if you only have 5% in you and you give it 5%, you've given it 100%. Yeah, yeah. I love that. The, and there's so many different approaches to pro I think productivity is fucked at the moment with stuff I actually wrote about the Seinfeld strategy and it was mm. Jerry Seinfeld and his habits was to get a calendar out with a red pen and every time you do the thing that you want to do you put a cross on it and the main psychology of that is don't break the chain which can be really good like for me first time I got into cold it was a 30 day cold shower challenge it was the I'm on doing something and I don't want to do it but I need to do it for 30 days and that has a real impact on you for certain things that you're trying to build a new habit up for. But there are other things where it's probably a better mentality. And I love this one. Of, uh, it's okay to miss a day. Just make sure you don't miss two. Ryan Holiday has this kind of visualization of it. And he talks it about the wagon. Because everyone here is being off the wagon. Mm -hmm. And the thing about the wagon is it moves very slowly moves for 85 years and actually if you fall off the wagon and stay there it's kind of hard to keep to catch the wagon up because you've got to make a lot of effort to catch it up but if you fall off and kind of get back on quite quickly you've only got to do a little jog and then get back on like it's the longer that you leave it the harder that you've got to do to get back on that wagon and I think Derek Siver talks about this rocket analogy. It's like anything that you're trying to do is like a rocket trying to get to the, you know, get into space. It burns 10,000 pounds worth of fuel a second. But as soon as it gets in orbit, it just floats. It's fucking easy. I like both of those. Yeah. The, 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 the wagon thing, especially, I like Ryan Holiday, but that, even if you fell off the wagon, for five years in the grand scheme of things it's going to be fucking hard to catch the wagon up but it's a, it's it's an 85 year journey yes so it's so. it's still only like it's not all over you can still yeah. crack on and do good, good and you know do well and su succeed in something yeah but look at weight loss and, and you know for me i've been weightlifting 25 years so for me to maintain this physique three weight sessions a week that's is that it. what you do now yeah if that and is that and what's the breakdown is it like 
push pull legs or is it just, full body is the, it the main the science it, the science is you need two per muscle group per week two sets to failure on each muscle group per to muscle group maintenance because okay. so not as much as you think no maintenance is so much easier than gain growth yeah you know and it's like cool maintaining your fitness how much easier is that than getting fit maintaining your weight how much easier is that than losing weight mate how much is that obviously you were competing on stage in 2015 15. Was the last time. yeah yeah the fitness industry's come a long way hasn't it or changed a lot i should say i don't know i before i would have said yes oh really That's yeah interesting. and in actual fact it hasn't really no. what you've got to realize ty is you've changed and okay. you, the what you liked five years ago, is very different to what you like now. And if your cool. algorithm is based on showing you more of the things that you like, it's obviously not going to show you the stuff that you used to like. Got you. So I don't. My news feed back in competing days was always people shredded, always people with Tupperware, always people mm. that are competing. Guess what my news feed looks like now. Full of fucking jujitsu. Right? Cold water dipping. <laughs> yeah. But it's full of things that I'm interested in now. Yeah. So if I'm only looking at things which I'm interested in now, of course I'm going to have this mindset of going, oh, it's all changed because I've changed. So, and it wasn't, and it wasn't until I went to a, a bodybuilding expo, I think it was last year, that I realized nothing's changed. I've changed. Really? So you literally, it's, it felt, as it was? felt exactly the same as it was in 2010, 2011. That's so interesting. Exactly the same people thinking and talking about the exact same things. And this wasn't, uh, uh, this, I'm better than you and everything. It's just like, wow, I forgot that I used to be like that. And it's so interesting on social media that the things that wind me up the most, that trigger me the most on social media, the things that remind me of who I used to be. Really? So when you see a, a guy in good shape who's talking in absolutes, who thinks he knows everything and he's 22, I instantly hate that person. And I think, what a prick. And the only reason I think that is because he's me. Back when you were 22. Well, you were like a god at one point <laughs> on Twitter. For, from, from a fitness perspective. <laughs> yeah, it's it's mad. Your that. physique was fucking 10 out of 10. You had loads of followers. You know, you yeah, were like... Yeah. I, 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 it's, it's, it's so... You ticked all those kind of boxes at the time that meant something. Yeah. And it's so strange because the way that it was just funny. Obviously, you've spoken about your gear use. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You were speaking about P, P, no, it's PCT, is it? Yeah. yeah. Post-cycle therapy. Okay. And then you said, like, oh, you know. And I was like, no. Yeah. So I just want to say to anyone listening, <laughs> I just presume no, <laughs> Jay has been banging yeah, the gear in yeah, when he was Grenade Jay. And we had a conversation earlier and he's actually never done it. Yeah. But this is. That fucking surprised me. Yeah. <laughs> But this is the, like, the, I always try to explain this to people. They're like, there's no, like, whenever I was in shape, there's, uh, there is, there's no way that you can be looking like that and be natural. And I'm like, well, thing is, is that you're judging something on something that you really want and something that's aesthetics. And actually, going back to my army days, I remember 2018 opening a muscle and fitness magazine, looking at a guy called Rob Riches who was my idol there and looking at his physique. And I was like, how the fuck does somebody look like that? Like I, tr and 
I train harder than that guy. Why don't I look like that? And it's because I knew fuck all. <laughs> and it, the reality is, is that I say to people, well, here's the thing. Imagine going to the gym from the age of 13. Imagine being like me and being obsessed with nutrition and training. Imagine, you know, living and breathing something like this for best part of two decades of your life. If you can't look like me in two decades of something which you are passionate about, um, there's no hope for you. It's like, mm. fuck me. And I, I've got very blessed genetics, got very obsessive tendencies with things. I don't like back when I was a, t a kid, I had this game called Simon Says and you press buttons and mm -hmm. I, I, I completed it in like a week because I played it 14 hours a day. <laughs> you know, like, and that, that, that for me, bodybuilding and weight training was the same. I used to be, have an uh, obsession with understanding how it all works so I could look like that and then being able to put it on a stage and, and, and so do it's it. It's almost impossible to fail with that though. Yeah. In, in anything you do. Yeah. And I'm like, look, and I didn't go to the pub, didn't drink. Everything came out of a Tupperware box. Everything was measured. Everything was weighed um, for the best part of eight years I of my can life. Graph that, mate. I remember yeah. doing it for about six months. That Nearly lost a girlfriend I had at a time because I wouldn't go out and eat with her. I just wanted to weigh her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't get with her on a low carb day. You know, like all this yeah. kind of mad, I, I've mad got, shit. I'll show you this picture. I've got a picture. <laughs> And it was back in the Twitter days, and it's funny because I, I just laugh. And it's like it's a picture of me at my uh, at Anna's family's roast dinner, and you've got all the roast dinners, and you've got my chicken, broccoli, and rice there. And it's got me with a selfie, um, and it says um, some it's shit, like some it mo motivational, like you know, achieving where others are dreaming. Hashtag no days off bollocks yeah but, i remember that narrative but yeah it's just like fucking hell jay you know what, like, what's your what's your general obviously you're training now how many times a week do you train at the moment on so, on generally so at the moment if i break down because i've just got just started lifting weights back uh again so my day is normally monday 6 a.m jujitsu um tuesday 11 is no uh is gi jujitsu and then in the afternoon i'll train at the gym Wednesday, jiu-jitsu in the morning at 6, um, 11 o'clock Thursday, um, no gi jiu-jitsu. Friday morning, jiu-jitsu, and then Friday evening, weight training, and then Saturday I normally train, and then Sunday off usually. Um, okay, and what about food? What's your food like? Are you generally quite good? Yeah, generally quite good. I, Do you keep honest, an eye on calories and that? Or is I've that... just started tracking the last couple of days because I've Cause got a fight. I've but got just generally speaking, you eat yeah, I don't you like want. shit food. Like, You're lucky with that. I just don't like shit food. I like chocolate. Yeah, I like chocolate. Love I chocolate. love chocolate. But I have a, um, a Galaxy Smooth now. It used to be a Ripple. Galaxy Smooth and a can of Pepsi Max Cherry every night. Like 8.15. Go to bed at 9.00. So I, okay, I'm, so you you've done it the other way. This is what my pal was trying to tell me. He's like, Ty, don't demonise it. Just build it into your. He used yeah, to say, me build it into your macros. If you want a chocolate yeah. bar a day, fucking eat a chocolate bar a day. Yeah, hundred percent. If that's going to stop you falling off the wagon, yeah. But it's, it's it. not. There's not, like you know this whole thing. You probably used to do it. The sort of the cheat day, the cheat meal. Yeah, yeah. It just. Yeah. But then, what word? If I was to say, give me three words. When I say the word cheat, give me another three words that are associated with that in your head. Well, they're negative stuff, generally speaking. 100%. Guilt. <laughs> shame. Yeah. 
It's like, cool, why do I want to have something that brings those kind of emotions? Why don't you just have a fucking burger and chips? Yeah. People say, oh, is that cheap? No, it's burger and chips, mate. But like, I, get, I get it a lot. People are like, um, to me, they're like, oh, you fucking train so much. You train so much. And I say to them, I train for two reasons. I train for my head and I train because I love to eat. Yep. So I don't, people expect me to take my top off and have a six pack and I don't. I'm fit and I'm strong, but I don't because they can't understand that I eat what I want when I want. I don't restrict anything, but I have to train a little bit harder. <laughs> I, I've met people who are looking great. Like just because you look great doesn't mean you feel great. Mm. You know, the times where I look my best on stage, I felt shit. I've heard that a lot. Actually. Absolutely shit. I couldn't, I wouldn't want to part. Like I would hate to pass how I was feeling at that time to somebody else. One of the things about not taking gear and getting that shredded is you have the sex drive of a three-year-old. You, there's nothing going on. It down shuts there. you down, doesn't it? You have no natural testosterone production. Um, it's a mind game for me, which I used to fucking love. Because once again, it's a challenge. Yeah, yeah. You are every day waking up with all these thoughts in your head about just eat that, just do that, just do that. Um, and it's there's a nice control there. Funny enough, I've just started tracking my macros now. It's amazing how much control you feel that you gain in your life with just certain variables, being able to measure and manage things. What um, If you weren't cutting for weight, what do you normally walk around? 93 kilos? Yeah, but I've seen like... Yeah, about 90 kilos. I'd 90 say, kilo. Yeah. And you're how tall? 5'11 and a half. And what's it saying your kind of maintenance? Or- so my maintenance, I already know, it's about 3,300 calories. 3,300? See, that's insane because that... In, well, I've got this preset thing in my head. I'm like, oh, that's a lot of calories. No, but I'm 6'1 and 100 kilos. So mine's yeah. going to be around that as yeah. well. It yeah. can't be 2,500 to maintain. No, not at all. But in my head, I've got this figure of I need to be in 2,500. And my one of my close friends and my PT and my business partner in the gym he's like mate i fucking hate you under eat all the time i fucking hate it but because every time you hit that number you see a result so you've associated yeah. a certain number with a certain outcome so of course you're always going to rely on that one one of the things that i say to people all the time is do you know why most bodybuilders peak week is look so fucking weird why, why the last kind of two weeks before prepping is so strange and, 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 and that, why it's not flexible, why it's all old school. Why? Because it takes about 14 weeks to get down there. And if you put that much effort into something, you're not going to try something new. You're going to stick to your old ways. You're going to stick to what works, mm-hmm. whatever it is. It's like a footballer wearing his lucky socks and he always scores a fucking goal. It's not the socks, is it? No. It's what it makes his head do. And this is the same with things that, you do positively and negatively. The only way that you can get over that is by showing yourself that there is another way. And going back to what we said about 2016, 2019, closed the gym, had to start a new business from scratch. Um, we, we split the business partnership. So every, everything that I put into the business had to get rid of to get rid of the gym and, and separate. So I had a pound to my name in 2019. Fuck. Pound. Still got the pound. Uh, <laughs> so, so I've got framed. it framed. Yeah, Have you actually? Framed. Yeah, oh. I've got it framed. It's, on, it's behind me in my office. So I can see it every day. And it was like, fuck. Okay. So 2019, um, had to build a new business, a bit like 2016. Mm-hmm. Had a had Archer on the way, my son. Once again, um, another young um, child on the way. 
decided to go for a Guinness World Record, very much like the um, one that I did in 2016. Um, and trying to do everything that I did in 2016. The only difference was that instead of getting up at 4 a.m., I still get up at like half four, but instead of putting that much in and only getting like three hours sleep, I pretty much work, you know, had a cut off at, as I always do now, 8 p.m. cut off, don't work weekends, and then do that shit. And did ticked all the boxes, done all the stuff that I did in 2016, minus the meltdown. So actually what I did in 2019 is I proved to myself there's another way to achieve this success. Wow. And that's at high scale. Until you can get in great shape on 3,000 calories and prove to yourself you'll always have that other set point because that's the, your only marker of success. Only reference point. So you've got to trust yourself and trust others that they know what they're doing more than you. And and work for you now, what does work for you look like? Is it content creation generally? Yeah, so at the moment, like business-wise, I've been doing a few brand deals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I suddenly realized that fucking hell, there's a, a decent uh, revenue to be made from companies that I actually give a fuck about their products. So instead of going, you know, give me your teeth whitening kits and shit like that, <laughs> it's like, cool, who have I, like what apps and companies and supplements and everything have I used for the like, last five years? And Reach that you'd out. buy with your own money if you had to. Yeah. And have bought for the last five years. And they can actually see. And I've just been reaching out to all the companies that I've actually been using their products for five years. And it's very easy to sell something that you already use. Yeah, yeah. Because you feel that integrity. You know it's fucking good. And, and of course, revenue deals are, are great with that. Uh, I have a, uh, an academy called the Mindset Muscle Academy. It's mm-hmm. like a monthly academy where we have workouts. Um, like online coaching. Yeah, program. workouts, challenges. Uh, I work with a few PTs to help them scale and grow their businesses. Um, and next year, I've got a new book coming out. Um, nice. So with Penguin, I should, am I allowed to say it? Well, we have now. We can delete that. Really <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, that, so that's our August. So I'm got the jiu-jitsu competition next week i've just rented an airbnb out in south southbourne is it where's southbourne here yeah i've rented a airbnb out for five days to get my book written so i've sick so i've just jay morton lives in southbourne does he yeah for like probably not far from you it's only small southbourne so yeah close to me as well i'm literally i've just rented this place by the beach this, this place out to spend six seven hours a day just writing sick so that's what i'm so you actually write your own books yeah yeah. ghostwritten (laughs) no no write them all i actually do you then send it somewhere though for someone to overlook it or will the they'll overlook it and everything but this year from a grammar perspective yeah um but yeah i've been writing i reckon i write six seven hours a a week at the moment so i Ah, write it's quite intense i write a weekly newsletter and i'm writing yeah yeah i've seen a newsletter yeah i write the week that takes me about three four hours to write and then i'm writing the book as well but i've been kind of doing four or five hours on the book um a week and it's time to go but when's deep that out? on it it's out august next year but i have to submit it by the end of january like a deadline so i need i was like right i need to disappear that pressure thing again. yeah but it's for me it's like cool if i pay for an airbnb that's really nice that i can go for a sea dip in the morning yeah. uh, and great I can spot just, yeah i can just write and get it fucking done i'm in the right place with the right mindset with no distractions that means my best work comes out and get it done i'm super excited about this book because it, what's it, it called um you love to say? i'm not allowed to uh, okay. reveal it are you allowed to reveal what it's about it is about <laughs> it's, it's about principles for life okay and, and 
this will be an exclusive because I haven't really spoken about this, but one of the, some of the most impactful books that I have read. And of course, when it comes to, um, movies, stories, you always remember. And sometimes nonfiction self-development books are very kind of methodical. Mm-hmm. They're very much like do this, do that, do that. And they're great books, but you forget them. When something has been told to you in a story, in a narrative, you always remember the lesson. So this book's going to be half nonfiction, mm-hmm. half fiction. So we're going to be starting with a fictional story which basically explains the understanding for the thing I want you to learn. And then it goes into the teachings. Wow. So the reason I've been writing so much is I've never wrote, uh, I've never written nonfiction. I've never written stories and narratives and imagine, you know, imagine imaginative writing yeah. and creative writing. So um, I'm creating seven incredible stories to explain the seven incredible things that I want people to learn. Based around a character, based based around one character, or is it lots of different? Based stories? around principles. Okay, so seven principles for life, and each story will a, get you to understand the principle that I want you to learn. Sounds exciting. Yeah, I'm I'm excited, and it's this thing kind of that you know when you think about a lot of what we've spoken about in this podcast, and that the reason that you know I'm very much calm these days, the reason that you know things happen in my life and I, I, I don't get angry with them is because of these principles. It's because of this understanding. I'll have, of I, get a copy of that I have these mental, <laughs> yeah, I'll send you one. I have these mental models that I always fall back on and I always use in my own life. And I don't really explain them to people. I, I do, but then I want people to understand it from mm-hmm. a character's perspective because they'll truly understand it with these stories. The story thing is is extremely powerful. You're right. Like I'm a good storyteller. Storytelling, you can captivate a room, you can teach. And you're right, I've never thought of it. Those books that we all love and those authors that we all love, they're generally like even the Daily Stoke, the Daily Laws, these things I read every day, but they're very kind of that's the lesson. Yeah. Take it and go. There's there's yeah. I mean, obviously the Daily Stoic Ryan Holiday adds a bit of a story, yeah. his own thing, but which if helps. You, if you think back now to where stoicism came from greek times and you think of the stories greek stories and what they school in that mythology greek mythology is all about people not really understanding science Mm -hmm. and being able to find their own way to explain things that are going on in the sky and things that are going on in the sea and coming up with these stories but two thousand years later people are still talking about them and that's the power of stories. Mm. It's like we don't really understand what's going on in the sky. It must be a god. And we've got thousands. My great, 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 great grandfather's story has just been passed down from generation to generation. Yeah. And I think like it's always a challenge of the book that I, this is my third book. And what I want this book to to be is something that someone does pick up in the next 50 years and can Timeless. still understand everything that goes on there so it's like taking everything modern out of it talking about anything timeline wise so you could literally dust this off and get the lessons i want to teach i'm genuinely excited about this you put a bit of pressure on yourself though yeah this I love this, it. To be fair, this one won't go out for probably like five, six weeks. It'd be all right. It's five solid days. I've pretty much, it's five solid days of just going a little bit mad in this 
place. That's exactly what um, it done. Matthew McConaughey did. Green lights. I don't yeah, know if you've read his book. Brilliant. I'm listening. Locked himself. To, I'm in, listening to it. At the moment. Oh, it's even better when you yeah. listen. I've read and listened to it because his voice. Yeah, yeah. But he locked himself in a cabin and just get it done. Scraps of paper, like all the shit he'd been writing. I think of all the shit I've been writing over the last. I've only been doing it since 2020, but the bits of paper, the journal, the, the, all the stuff. Eventually, you could put that into something. And, yeah, and it's oh, a story. A hundred percent. That's interesting. Bill Gates does it every year. Does he? He disappears to a cabin with all of his books and he's uncontactable for an entire, I think it's two weeks every year and he's done it since- Like a Mi reset. Since Microsoft side. And I always use that as, if you think you're too successful and too busy to take two weeks off for yourself, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Because there's no one more successful hell, and needed yeah. in the world than Bill Gates. Well, yeah. needed, well, it's debatable, but if he can take two weeks off- you And like fully off. Fully at work. Well, because even when I'm off, I'm on. There's a big thing. So there, there's there's off and there's off on. Um, I and it's one thing that I need to get back. My Thursdays were uh, phone swap Thursdays. I used to call them. And what I used to do is leave my phone at home, go to the spa, still go to the spa, um, take a book and pen and paper. And it's kind of come around now to not being a full day, a half day because I like to work in Thursday morning, <laughs> and take my phone and and kind of scroll a little bit whilst in the spa, and I kind of need to reset and in. go so what like the world isn't going to crumble in a day and actually it's so great to not have a day without that i mean having an apple watch is great because if people do need to call you they can call you on that and i'd you know not many people have my number so mm. it's like cool no social media and i can still function i can still pay for things i can course, still chat yeah. to people so you don't feel you know you're disconnected from the world but shit hits the fan you're there you're there Mate, you're a bit of a content machine, you are. Like with the videos, podcasts, blogs, this book. Like a couple of questions on that. One is how do you stay like um, passionate about that to keep delivering it and not get bored of it? And secondly, how the fuck do you find the time, the balance, wife, kids? Cause I know how long, how long content takes to make. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm fucking good at creating content. I'm very quick at creating content. You're very good at it. I yeah. didn't know you were quick, but yeah, yeah it's good content. I, I'm bit of a geek when it comes to editing as well so i do have people that edit for us now some of the stuff but i can do it faster than them what do you use like cap cut yeah whatever i use this thing called video leap i've got actually three courses on it which i teach people um and for me it's understanding what works on social media for me it's knowing where to take that golden nugget that golden 30 seconds from the two-hour podcast I know. I, I watch some like is. some of your content, some of other people's contents, and probably there's a lot of people at home that feel similar to me. They also know that message, and they also think that message, or have written it down to a friend as a bit of advice. But saying it into a camera, and saying it like, and then editing it the way it's edited with that music in the background to be so emotive and thought provoking yeah. is a whole different talent. There's multiple variables to it. I mean, like, thing is, is I'm only talking about stuff that I love. Well, you can, I think you can like, see that yeah. in, in your content. It's and real. Also, like, I, I, I probably do need to go. Th I, I would. I'm trying to talk to more people about the value of therapy and why it has such a negative, um, kind of view. Yeah, yeah. In the in the, in the US, it's pretty much everyone's got a therapist, but here it's kind of like frowned upon. If it's so wrong with you. And my therapy has always been social media. My therapy is walk on a live and just talk my thoughts get it out of your head. And a lot of therapy is just talking. And I get a lot, I write a lot, but I talk a lot. 
it's, qu- it's quite brave that though, Jay. That kind of talking in a live because there's there's no chance for editing. There's no chance for who cares? Like why why not? You know, it's just yeah. like. My brain's a bit weird. I just wonder if I say so. I, there's a couple of things I've said. Like I've, I've got this weird, I've got a warped squatty sense of humour, which sometimes I'm just like, Gets you in a bit of trouble. And I, I've, I did 2020, I think I edited something. Um, I think I edited a, a 15 second thing, which I thought sounded good. And then wondered why I had 300 messages of everyone calling me the C word. And then realised, oh, fuck, that needed context. So I learned my lesson from that one. And it was basically... Um, I've got uh, next to my pound coin, I've got the world's smallest violin. You can buy them on Amazon. I probably need to sell them. And it's just a reminder that, you know, when I'm going through shit, that someone's going. <laughs> and the we way. We say that with the boys. All the and time. it was, I obviously did this piece of content. I did this piece of content originally in 2018 and it went viral. And I did it in 2020. It just didn't go down very well. Mm. You know. Oh, you're struggling right now. World's smallest violin. People didn't want to hear that in 2020. It's like, Not in that year, yeah. Right and it, but a lot of the, a lot of my mindset has been to say to people, look, no one cares. And mm. it's not like no one cares. It's no one cares. So do what the fuck you like. One of the biggest problems that you have is you think everyone's looking at you. And I always say to people, look, go to London, go on the underground, sit there and watch how many people give a fuck what you're doing. Or even notice you're there. A hundred percent. And even if they do, you will be a passing thought in their head whilst they go back to wondering how on earth they're going to survive through this day. Mm. And as soon as you realize that, it's freeing. A lot of people say to me, oh, how do you get so caught worried about the opinions of other people? I'm like, well, the thing that you're just telling me now, you are getting caught up in how many people are looking at you. So then that person over there it's thinking the same as you. So he's looking at you and that person, that person, and thinking, wonder what they're thinking. And if you both know that both of you are thinking the same, you realize that no one's thinking of you. And that's liberating because mm, you really think you're that important that someone's got any time whatsoever in their busy life to give a fuck what you're doing. They don't. And that's freeing because it's like, cool, you might not like me. You might not, my, I'm not contra- really controversial. You know, my if you look down my comments, you look down my messages, they're all fantastic. I've created a, you know, a content and community of people who genuinely value what I'm trying to do. And I don't get many argumentative things. Mm. But I think at the same time, it's like, I could be wrong. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get people to understand the things that I want, but by all means, challenge me. Also, it's, it's your thoughts and opinions on a particular subject. It's your yeah. perspective on it. 100%. So yeah. we shouldn't take it personally anyway. No, but people do. Yeah, I know they do, especially on socials. Yeah, but also you've got to realize that people do look at you. If you have a following, you're not a human. You're a character. Mm-hmm. You're a character that they don't actually see in real life and surprised when they do. And it's the weirdest thing ever. Someone said, oh, you're, you know, like, oh, I can't believe I'm speaking to you now. It's like, what do you mean? It's like, oh, well, you know, I've seen all your content. And that. It's like, because there is a separation between what you see on your phone and what you see in real life. Yeah, and, look up. and the main thing for me is like, what I want feedback on is, is the person that you meet today the same person that you meet on the foot, on the phone? And that's what my biggest thing is, is that if you're having a conversation down the pub with me, you want it to be the it same. It will probably be the same conversation that you hear Which me is very rare. Which, yeah. Because most is. people's Instagram is the perception that they want people to think they are. 
Yeah. Not who they actually are. And that's the worst, worst thing to do. Because if you're trying to be somebody that you're not, you're going to get found out. Well, it's not about being found out. You're going to build an audience of people who think you're something you're not. Mm -hmm. So you basically built a lie. Yeah, yeah. And that's okay. That's okay if you're a comedian. Look, Jonathan Pye, fucking love Jonathan Pye. He creates a satirical character which he can exit from, which is beautiful. However, if you are trying to build your personal brand of you, it's probably not the best idea Mm, to go down. Yeah. Being authentic, I've always found, has helped anything I've done. And not on necessarily social media, just in life. Yeah. But also if you are, I think one of the biggest things that has evolved from social media is that back in the day, social media was about you as a person. You know, my content was based on what I'm doing, what I'm eating, what I'm training. And I built up a following like that because people cared about what the fuck I was doing. I haven't posted a meal or anything. I think actually, funny enough, the first time I'm actually told someone I'm doing something other than little things is today i actually put me rolling i'm getting ready in nine days it's probably the worst performing video that i've i've put out in the last month because no one gives a fuck (laughs) i know and i'm cool with that because i'm not doing it for anybody else which kind of in my 20s i was Mm -hmm. whereas i'm just doing it for me Mm -hmm. and actually that accountability is powerful and it can do but i don't need it for the thing that i want to do I know we've touched on it, mate, but just before the end, what's um what's next? Anything else you want to share? The book coming out? Um, yeah, book coming out next year. My focus of speaking to the publishers, as with anything, I'm not in I'm not into short term relationships, I'm into long term stuff. Mm-hmm. It's probably the same with uh any relationship that I've had and it's like, cool, I'm not thinking about this book, I'm thinking about what we're gonna do for the next ten books. So for me, if I want to fast forward, my ideal day for the next five years will be writing, uh, talking, traveling, and spending time with my family. If I can tick all those boxes every week, then whatever it is that I am doing, I'm going to be happy. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And my dad always used to say when I was growing up, son, the true measure of success is affecting those around you positively. Yeah. And that's kind of similar to what you want to do in your five-year plan, right? Talking, writing books, uh, being at yeah. events to try and help people and it, be and it, better. And by the way, it pays well as well. So that, <laughs> okay. that helps. Okay. Yeah. So it's very that hard helps. to do those things if you're not getting paid for it. Yeah, no, true. Mate, appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Please remember to subscribe on your favorite platform and follow the journey on social media.